You're listening to Hope for Today Church Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining in this virtual space. We believe that as you listen, Jesus will minister to you right where you are. So open up your mind and your heart to what the Word would say to you today. Thank you for joining us. And remember, Jesus is our hope for today. Uh, So here we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to dig right into it this afternoon. Uh, And just for sake of context, right in verse 1, the Apostle Paul starts speaking about the diversity of the spiritual gifts. And he says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you used to be enticed and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God produces each gift in each person. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. To one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another a message of knowledge by the same Spirit to another faith, and to another gifts of healing, to another performing of miracles, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues, and one and the same spirit is active in all of these, distributing to each person as he wills. You know, this morning or this afternoon as we were singing that song, Trust in God, I couldn't help but think of it in light of even this passage that we trust in God, that he's already providing us with everything that we possibly need to live for him today. To live for him today. In the last few weeks, we've been looking at these, this discourse on the spiritual gifts and, you know, Paul's been talking about the the scope, the variety, and the proper function of these gifts. And he's, you got to appreciate, he's emphasized, just a little bit of a recap, that all the gifts are for today, for all believers, and they're all important. They all matter. They're all useful for both edification of the church body, but also for effective witness to the world. At the end of the day, if we're not going out into the world, as Jesus said, to go in the world and make disciples, well, we're missing the mark. We're only, in a sense, halfway out of the starting block, if you will. And all we see, as the Apostle Paul continued in his discourse through chapters 13 and 14, that this uh, image of the array of the spiritual gifts are the spiritual symphony to be operated orderly and always in reflection of the life of Jesus Christ. And this is something that I've taken away this past week as I engaged in conversation with people, as people ask questions relating to the word and life circumstance. You can always come back and say, does this align with the life example of Jesus Christ and what he's taught? And here in verse 8, Paul continues and he affirms, for to one is given through the spirit the message of wisdom and to another the message of knowledge by the same spirit. Now, what are these two gifts? We see here right away, they are speaking gifts. They are speaking gifts. They're they're not naturally acquired gifts. Rather, he says that through the spirit, one is given the message of knowledge. One is given the message of 
wisdom. Now, wisdom is defined or can be defined as this. The ability to act in good judgment based on the knowledge and information at hand. The ability to act in good judgment based on the knowledge at hand. Whereas knowledge is defined as information and skills acquired through experience or education. So in light of this, if you were to take them together in a biblical understanding, the message of wisdom is where one is given special ability to understand and act upon biblical truth regarding a life matter or life situation. In a similar way, a message or a word of knowledge would be a revelatory insight, understanding the deep things of God, his plans, his purposes, the actions of God, the very mysteries of his word, and, and by revelation of the spirit to understand how that then pertains to the person through that word of knowledge. Now, you might be sitting here thinking as you read verse 8, well, I guess if only one or a few are going to have a, a, a message of wisdom and knowledge, well, I guess the rest of us are just going to be out of luck and going to have to make do. That's not what Paul is showing us here today. We're, in fact, we're encouraged, as Paul told young Timothy, show yourself as an approved worker who correctly teaches the word of truth. Study to show yourself approved. Now, these two gifts, as I've already said, they're not natural skills and are acquired over a matter of time or exercise. You know, you go and you look around, all of us have learned different talents and skills because of our experiences. We've learned and we've grown as we've given our time to different things in our life. But here Paul is emphasizing this is not a natural gift. In fact, the word and message of knowledge and wisdom are spirit-taught words in real time. In real time. So here's Paul in, in chapter 12. You know, what I can appreciate about him is that he was being relative to the recipients, the Corinthians, the church in Corinth. You know, these believers and even the seekers in the crowd who had, would have heard this letter being read, um, read, uh, read within their gatherings, he knew that they were under the influence of both Roman and Greek culture, which scholars call Greco-Roman heritage. And so Paul endeavored to encourage them through instruction at this intersection in their faith journey to make sure they stay sound in speech and action. You know, like many of us, we have someone come along us along the way in our faith, mature believers who help to steer us on the right path in the Lord. Here Paul, he knows there are many who are new to the faith, they're zealous in matters of the spirit, as many of us are. And he knows that at this time there are those who are employing or desiring many skill sets, you know, their spiritual tool belt, so to speak, which is very similar to today. We desire the fast array of the spiritual gifts. And he knew, Apostle Paul knew that wisdom and knowledge were incredibly important to the Greeks. You know, and Athens was one of the, you know, the epicenter of higher education, the domain of philosophy and, and rhetoric, the training in um, persuasive art of speaking, informing, and motivating. And he knew this. You know, in fact, at their time, they had amphitheaters in which people would hold speaking competitions showcasing their skill of the rhetoric. 
Now, that's not something that's common, I guess, here today. Many of us would shy away from any form of public speaking. When was that last time you were in school and the teacher said, okay, you know, Isaiah, you're up today. Many would say, oh, you know, can I be the last person in the class to go? I was actually the person who wanted to go first so I could get it out of the way. Versus wait and ponder over and, you know, get a little stir crazy as you wait to speak. You know, if you turn on YouTube or go on the internet, you can see TED Talks where these keynote speakers will get up and uh, make persuasive arguments to spread the ideas that they have and even defend a given position. They've, they've honed and they've been training themselves in, in this art of persuasion. And so Paul knew that wisdom and knowledge mattered greatly to the Corinthian people. Which is why we can have a greater appreciation in 1 Corinthians 2.4 when he says to them this statement, which now understanding this, having a refresher, it's been a while since I've been to Bible school, when you understand the culture, what Paul says next in 1 Corinthians 2 is very impactful. He says, when I came to you, brothers and sisters, announcing the mystery of God to you, I did not come to you with the brilliance of speech or wisdom. Some translations will say, I didn't come to you with wise and persuasive words. But he says, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's what he was giving his whole life to. Everyone was focusing on different persuasions and spreading different ideas. His all about Christ and he crucified. And in fact, he says in verse 3, I came to you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Here he's showing, you know, he wasn't the cat's meow, if you will, when it came to this gift. But by relying on the, and leaning into the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit provided the words that were necessary to connect with the heart of those in attendance. Even as Paul would pen these words, he knew the Spirit would move and intersect to wherever they were in their faith journey. And as they continued to grow in their faith, Paul needed to encourage them to jettison irreverent speech and actions, anything that was not aligned with following Christ. And so for us, as we take this away with us here, speaking is important. Paul goes on another part of scripture to say, how can people know of Christ unless someone preaches to them? We need to open our mouth. We need to speak. And so Paul tells the Romans, I love the way he puts this in Romans 1.15, so I'm eager to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. Paul was not intimidated. Although he said he came there with fear and trembling, he knew how gifted these people were with rhetoric. There's no dismissing that. But he knew how important it was for them to get the gospel in them. And the Holy Spirit took care of the rest of the results. We can't single or we can't dismiss a certain people group because they intimidate us. He says the gospel is for everyone, for the Jew and also the Greek. And so I wrote down here on my iPad, don't be afraid to go to anybody. 
Like, don't be afraid to seek out the people that may be intimidating. Maybe they're a little bit taller than you. Maybe they're more polished than you are. Maybe they're really actually eloquent with speech. Maybe with persuasive arguments to, you know, claim that they have wisdom. The human wisdom completely is better than the wisdom we have in God. But don't let that dissuade you. And here in Romans, or sorry, verse 8, Paul is encouraging us, reminding us to one, the Spirit gives a message of wisdom and knowledge. Now, Paul is not saying that only some will be blessed with these gifts. He says in Ephesians 1.3, Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. That's Ephesians 1.3. So first of all, as we continue on here, all believers are given wisdom from the Spirit. This is really important because I don't want you to leave here today thinking, well, only a select few are going to have wisdom. In 1 Corinthians 2.12, it says, Now we have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who comes from God so that we may understand what has been freely given to us by God. We also speak these things, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual things to spiritual people. To stay there for a second, we speak these things, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual things to spiritual people. Because we are united with Christ in faith, we have the gift of the Holy Spirit in which Jesus said, we'll teach you, we'll guide you in all truth. And so each of us respectfully, we can you know, be happy in this, that we're gonna grow in knowledge, we're gonna grow in understanding of God as the Holy Spirit instructs us that we will grow in this deeper, greater understanding of the salvation we enjoy. He goes on to say, well, the people who don't have the Spirit of God, they're not able to understand the things of God. The cross is foolishness to them. You go around and people can say, well, you know, I don't believe there is a God or I don't believe I need a Savior. I'm a good person. Well, at the end of the day, we believe the Word of God is true. And it says that we are fallen and depraved people without the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross at Calvary. And in fact, there's only one name under heaven given by which we must be saved. Jesus is the only way. And yet we live in a time where human wisdom says, you know what, all paths lead to God. We're all the same family, whether you're Buddhist or you're Christian or the various frames of Christianity. But it says only one name under heaven by which we must be saved. Jesus Christ. And so when we have a word of knowledge and wisdom, we're able to understand this and apply it. We have the aptitude to apply it in a skillful way in which that person sitting there or reading your letter is able to understand it maybe for the first time in their life because the Holy Spirit has given you that special ability to instruct and share. And yet each one of us are guided in, with wisdom by the Holy Spirit. Proverbs 2.6 is one of my favorite verses. It says this, For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. From his mouth not going to come confusion. There's not going to be identity confusion because we're fearfully and wonderfully made in him. 
And he said this in John 7, 37. On the last day and the most important day of the festival, Jesus stood up and cried out. It, does, it doesn't say here Jesus kind of begrudgingly stood up in a very quiet voice. But no, it says he cried out. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. The one who believes in me, as scripture has said, will have streams of living water flow deep within him. Meaning you're going to be satisfied to overflow. And he says this, and he said this about the spirit, that those who believed in Jesus were going to receive the spirit, for the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. So on the day of Pentecost, as we already looked at, the Holy Spirit is poured out. And so now each of us, you and I, as we're seated in Christ, are the beneficiaries of every spiritual blessing in Christ, of wisdom and knowledge. And yet to some, there's an even greater degree of special knowledge and wisdom. Psalm 51.6, we're told this. The psalmist writes, Surely you desire integrity in the inner self, and you teach me wisdom deep within. You teach me wisdom deep within. At one point in time, the spirit wasn't poured out upon all flesh, but on a select few like, like David, Saul, and others. God's anointed. But here they say this wisdom comes deep within. Again, we're supposed to be introspect and, and aligning ourselves with the thoughts and attitudes of God by the way of Holy Spirit and say, teach me your wisdom, O Lord, in any situation and circumstance. And this is a practice that we learn over time. Especially when no one's looking, seeing with the Corinthian people, in many respects, and I'm sure there were well-intentioned people in the crowd, Paul wasn't just, just chalking them all up as horrible people. But many times it was about the performance. Remember again, the amphitheater, it was about entertainment. People would get up and it's, they would be like, wow, what an incredible speaker. Wasn't that an amazing keynote? Wow. Ah. In all, it's the same spirit of God, the same spirit who rested upon Christ, rests upon us and fills us. We're told this by the prophet Isaiah. He, he proclaimed this. He prophesied this about all who would trust in Jesus. He says this, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, a spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of counsel and strength, a spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And that's capital Lord, Yahweh. That we would have this reverence for God, that we wouldn't conduct ourselves with a reverent speech, but have respect for who God is, who created us, and want to live a life, you know, after him, to live a holy, pleasing life as he enables us to do so. And so here in verse 8, with all that being said, in light of these aspects, Paul emphasizes that there are these two gifts that the Spirit distinguishes for certain situations. And in 1 Corinthians 2.13, he says, We speak these things, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual things to spiritual people. But the person without the Spirit does not receive what comes from God's Spirit because it is foolishness to him. He is not able to understand it since it's evaluated spiritually. The spiritual person, however, can evaluate everything and yet himself cannot be evaluated by anyone. For who has known the Lord's mind that he may instruct him? 
but we have the mind of Christ. You know, sometimes you take away this verse and say, well, no one can evaluate me. What I hear in the Lord, I'm sorry, you can't evaluate me. That's not what this is saying. This is saying that people who don't have the spirit of God, that's unbelievers, cannot evaluate you and what you hold dear to your heart. But there are times where we go in the world and we want to fit in. We maybe even want to be noticed. We want to be affirmed. And we start to allow them to evaluate and affirm how the church should be, how people of God should operate. But here it says, we've been given the mind of Christ and we know better. We all have been given wisdom and knowledge. And so these statements that he says in verse 8 are powerful. They're significant for us. And to help us understand this even more, we're just going to look to a few biblical characters who exemplified these two spiritual gifts. And as we look at them, we'll see how through their lives we'll gain a practical, or a deeper practical understanding of these gifts in operation. And for the sake of time, I'm going to try to stick to my notes here this afternoon. But first, let us consider Solomon. How many people here know Solomon. Okay, you've probably heard many messages. I hope you've read the, read the scriptures, you know, First Kings and such regarding Solomon. But Solomon was a king who was very wise. He was descended of King David. And he was a man chosen by God to rule as king over Israel. He received this, this gift of wisdom from the spirit of God. As I said, he was renowned for his understanding, his wisdom and knowledge. In 1 Kings 3.9, this is what Solomon said. So give your servant a receptive heart to judge your people and discern between good and evil for who is able to judge this great people of yours. Read that again. Give your servant a receptive heart to judge your people and to discern between good and evil for who is able to judge this great people of yours. Look at this humbleness of Solomon, asking for God to grant him wisdom in order to govern his people justly, not so that he can, you know, fill his storehouse with gold and have people coming from far and wide to pay homage to him, but so that he could assess matters and situations and act appropriately in the light of God's truth to properly govern God's people. You saw the reverence there. And because of this humble request, what did God do? He granted that to him, this unparalleled wisdom beyond measure, the scripture shows us. But Solomon's wisdom was not mere intellect. It wasn't a skill set gained over time. Mind you, he would have learned many things as he went along. But it was of divine revelation as the spirit enabled him. And so with our lives, as we think about Solomon, we're, we're not different. We're we're all flesh and blood last time we checked. We're all created in the image of God. But the beautiful thing is we all have the Holy Spirit who indwells us. And so that as we call upon the name of the Lord, as we trust in him, as we seek this message of wisdom through the Holy Spirit, he can grant it to us. In fact, he desires to do the very thing. In James 1, 5, we're told this, Now if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. 
We've all been there, haven't we? There's been times when you're engaging in a situation or a life matter, and you say, Lord, give me wisdom on this matter. I haven't gained a skill set to deal with this. I've never been here before. Well, the beautiful thing is you don't have to be. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's seen everything. And every spiritual blessing has been given to you in Christ Jesus. And so as we ask, the Lord wants to give it to us generously. But we need to remember that this true wisdom that comes from him is to guide us to encourage one another and not puff ourselves up. Not puff ourselves up. You know, this is a a travesty in many respects sometimes. Even in the church, we can get puffed up with the different giftings that the Holy Spirit has bestowed upon us. But when we come to it in a humble regard like Solomon and like so many others of the faith and like that of Jesus, he gives us the ability to act upon biblical truth in any situation. So we have to look at Christ. We have to look at Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. He says in scripture that he was the perfect embodiment of the message of knowledge. In him it says the fullness of God dwelled. How often do you consider that? That in Christ, the fullness of God dwelled. And so when he says, because you believe in me, you will do these works and even greater works because we believe and trust in him. And so throughout Christ's ministry, you've all read the scriptures. So I'm speaking to those of you who know, Jesus displayed this unparalleled understanding of the word of God. He had a deep understanding of the knowledge and plans of God for humanity. In fact, in Luke 4, 16, we know it well, Jesus stood up in the synagogue. He read from the scroll of Isaiah and proclaimed that the scriptures were being fulfilled in their midst. Could you imagine what it would have been like in that scene? Up until that point, they've been reading about it. They've been reading about it. They've been waiting for it to take place. And all of a sudden... Jesus of Nazareth stands up and says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim and release the captives and recover his sight to the blind and to set set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. You ever had something happen that was just so profound that you had to just step back for a moment and be like, did I just see what I, I think I saw? Did I just hear what? This is a moment. This is what happened to them. And so verse 21, it says, he began by saying to them, today as you listen, this scripture has been fulfilled. Recovery of sight for the blind. Freedom for the captives. And so here he was speaking. Jesus' foreknowledge is on display. The knowledge of God's word was on display. This wasn't, wasn't a result of just mere human learning and understanding, but as the Holy Spirit gave him utterance. And so a few points as we go here today. One, Jesus demonstrated this gift of knowledge by teaching with authority. He answered the religious leaders' questions of the day astutely. He didn't hum and haw like the politicians of today. You ever noticed on the news, someone will ask a politician a question, you know, how, how are you going to balance the budget? And they would give all these other answers out of the sun, except for actually astutely answering the question, okay? But here, Jesus, he would answer the questions. He would reveal the mysteries of God so they could fully understand. even goes on to say that the Holy Spirit enables us to know the mysteries of heaven. 
And in Matthew 7, 29, we're told this, he taught them like one who had authority and not like the other scribes. Number two, he knew the hearts and intentions of the people and revealed the truth in them. This is what a word of knowledge can do. You're able to understand a word about a, a person, a place, or thing and reveal the truth of the of biblical truth to them. It says here in Mark 7, 6, he answered them, Isaiah prophesied correctly about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. By the Holy Spirit, Jesus was able to know the condition of the scribes and the religious leaders. And so three, Jesus was spiritually discerned because his speech was geared to leading people to salvation, having a deeper understanding of God's love. We see here with wisdom, it's about correctly applying the knowledge that we have gleaned. Here he's leading them, no matter what, to direct themselves to faith in God. He says this, John 7, 17, if anyone wants to do his will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking on my own. The one who speaks on his own seeks his own glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true, and there is no unrighteousness in him. This is one of the ways we can know if we've been given by the Spirit a message of wisdom and a message of knowledge. Are they seeking to glorify themselves or glorify our Heavenly Father? Earlier we saw how Jesus said, I sought nothing but to proclaim to you Jesus and him crucified. And to the believers in Ephesus, he said something similar in Ephesians 1.7. He says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he richly poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure that he purposed in Christ. Wow. This shows us that when we position ourselves, everything has been provided for us as we looked, every spiritual blessing, when we position ourselves to receive everything that Holy Spirit has for us, including a message of knowledge, a message of wisdom, he's gonna pour out that gifting to reveal the deep things of God so that we can instruct and encourage others. I believe it's for all of us. I don't believe it's for a select few. This is, I'm telling you right now, this isn't a gifting that I possess. This is as I go through and I'm reading through scripture, I'm gleaning an understanding and, and seeking to uh, proclaim through teaching and preaching here this afternoon. But like you, I desire to a greater degree to operate in this gifted area. John 16, 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears, and he will also declare to you what is to come. And so in closing, we see here in verse eight, he emphasizes again for us these incredible gifts, these two incredible gifts are made solely available to us through the Holy Spirit. Just as Solomon received divine wisdom and Jesus displayed divine knowledge, essentially he designed both, but understand what I'm saying, that we too, because we're in Christ, we can realize these gifts in our own life. 
as we grow and as we seek to minister to one another. So let us not seek to suppress that gifting. Again in verse eight, to one is given a message of wisdom through the spirit and to another a message of knowledge by the same spirit. You know, no matter where you are, when you go into the highways and byways and you're, and you're saying, Lord, would you use me? When you face a difficult situation and I don't have to give any further colorful commentary on what's happening in the world, in that moment, you can cry out to the Lord who knows your heart, say, Lord, would you grant to me wisdom to walk according to your ways today? Would you enable me to be your light as Christ was light to the world? Would you enable me with the knowledge to understand your plan and purpose in all of this? <laughs> because sometimes it can be confusing. But God is still on his throne. He hasn't vacated it. He's still ruling and reigning. And that when we pray, as Solomon prayed, that he will fill us with the gifts that we so need. Amen. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come and let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your spiritual gifts. Lord, thank you for the gift of knowledge and wisdom. The ability to understand the deep things of you, your, your thoughts and the actions, your plans and purposes for our life. And Lord, to be able to act appropriately and productively in light of that knowledge. Thank you, Lord, by your spirit, you enable us to walk wisely in all situations. Holy Spirit, move in us this afternoon as we continue to invite you to fill us afresh. Lord, thank you that we are all your, your ministering agents in this world. Lord, we didn't mean it lightly when we declared during worship. Lord, we are your representatives and we desire to be as such. And Lord, there's a lot of foolish things that's happening in the world today. Lord, I thank you that you enable us to not live foolishly, to not live godless lives, but to live upright, holy and pleasing by the power of your spirit dwelling us, speaking to us, and moving within us, even